been in this series talking about how we steward the resources that God gives to us. And today, what I really want to do is I want to talk about the topic of generosity. Generosity. I think I'm going to hit it from a little bit different angle than you might be thinking about or even that you're used to. And so for here, us here at the church, we have five values. And really what that is, that's the guardrails with which we use to get to the mission and vision of this church. And one of our values is generosity. Everybody say generosity. So what does that mean? That means we lead the way with outrageous generosity. That it's God's goodness that compels us to give. I mean, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves people that say, man, God, what you have done to me, I've got to share it with the world. And from the very beginning of our church, we just felt like we were going to be a generous church. We weren't even a church, and we're already sowing into world missions. We're already blessing this community. We give of our time, our resources, our talent, our treasure. We just know this, that the, the generosity of this church is the DNA of our lives. That, God, I'm going to be generous in every single thing that I do. And really, it's that generosity that helps us fulfill our vision here at the church. And so if you've been coming for a little while, you know our vision. It's really simple. There's four things that we do and focus on as a church. Now, if you've not been coming for a while, then you you won't know. But I, I want you to know the first one is this. Our vision is that we want people to know God. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? It's, it's not about just going to church and having a religious experience. We want people to know God. And that word is really like gnosko. That's an intimate relationship with God. How many know the farthest distance you can travel many times is from your head to your heart? It's not in the distance that we travel around the world. It's, it's for getting it out of our head and into our heart and saying, God, I want to know you. I don't want to just know about you. I, I don't want my parents' faith. I don't want my friends' faith. God, I want a faith that comes from knowing you. And that's what our Sunday mornings are all about. Like this morning, God's moving. And you say, why do you get passionate? Because my job as your pastor is to point you to God. You can't have your faith dependent on me. Your faith has to be grounded in your relationship with God. And that's the beauty of Sunday mornings. It's, man, we're just going to we're gonna know God. That's why we do a salvation call at the end of every message. But how many know it's, it doesn't stop just knowing God? we got to keep going further. we got to find freedom. You can know God and have a salvation experience and still live in this world bound up. The old habits, the old hurts, they've got you wrapped up. It doesn't have anything to do about you getting into heaven and going to heaven, but it's how you live your life here on this earth. And I don't know about you, but I want to live heaven on earth. God, I want your freedom in my life. See, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins to him, to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us. How many know God's forgiven us of a lot of stuff? I don't know about you, but man, God, you have forgiven me. I praise God for that. That's that salvation in my life. Love it. It's awesome. But it doesn't stop there. James 5.16 says, listen, we confess our, our faults to one another, and that's how we are healed. God's system is forgiveness comes from God, but freedom comes from people. And that's the challenge when people get hurt, right? You, you live your faith on an island all by yourself and praise God for internet church and praise God for places where you can download podcasts. But God never called us to live on an island by ourselves. He called us to be a community of believers that live life together. Why? Because that's the only way we could truly find freedom. That's what I love about our small groups. 
each and every week, almost 600 of you, just over 600 of you are in the small groups. What are you doing? You're finding freedom. You're saying, hey, here's the ugly in my life. We take off the mask. My small group, my men's small group on Thursdays, I love it. We laugh, we cry, we laugh some more, we cry some more. I mean, it's amazing. We take off our pastor hats and all the hats we wear and we say, hey, listen, I'm a man. This is what I'm walking through. Will you love me even though I'm not perfect? Will you love me even when things get tough and I don't always do what I should do? Would you love me anyway? And that's the freedom. Amen. I got you back. See, I think sometimes we forget that we're all checked into a hospital. Some people just got there a little bit earlier than us. And so we say, God, I want to find freedom. And we do it in the context of our small groups. And then really the next thing is we want to discover our purpose. God, I I want to discover why you made me. I don't want to just be free, but God, how did you make me? Because God has a design that he made you with. It's unique. Nobody else is like you. You're one of the kind, and it's how your personality and your spiritual gifts, they all function together. And so we are on a quest to say, God, how did you make me? Who is Jim Kyles? Who is whatever your name is? Who am I? God, let me discover how you made me. See, the tragedy, I believe, is people living a good life but never living living their God life. And we believe design reveals destiny. God, what is it that you put on the inside of me? And so we do that through our next steps. And I tell you this, give me four weeks and I'll help you discover how God created you and I'll show you where you can do this last part, which is make a difference. And that's what the ultimate goal of the church is, right? I mean, we're out there reaching the lost. We're out there doing all that we can to let this city know there is a God in heaven that loves them. And we want to find freedom. We want to discover our purpose. But man, we've got to go out and really say, God, I'm going to make a difference. God, that's the ultimate goal of our life. I'm going to to take what I have and I'm going to take it outside of these four walls. I'm going to use it inside these four walls. And one of the greatest ways we do that is through our dream team. Each and every week, hundreds of people serve each and every week. Say, man, I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to use your God. My God designed I'm going to make a difference in this world. And you know, this is what I would tell you. To get to the last part, really, we have to live a life of generosity. I mean, that's really what it all boils down to is that we have to be generous in our life. We have to say, God, I am going to make a difference. I'm going to give all that I have. I'm going to go outside these four walls. I'm going to serve inside of these four walls, and I'm going to use what I've got to make a difference. The only way we do it is to be generous. And I'll tell you this. There is a world that is out there that is dying and hungry for something that is real. Jesus said it like this in Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus said to them, look at what he said. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the, everybody say it together. Say it again. Say it again. I've come to call the sinner. See, this is what we have to remind ourselves of. That this church is not for us. You say, well, pastor, I mean, I thought it was for me. Yeah, it was when you were lost, but now you've been found. And what that means is, okay, now i got to take what God has given me, and i got to go and help find sinners. i got to find the people that are hurting, that are broken. This church cannot be about me. When it's about me, I'll make it about me. What will happen is you'll walk in, you'll say, mm, I thought they knew that was my seat. I know I see you each and every week where you sit. I know where you're sitting. But what will happen is this. If we start to say it's about me, yeah, 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 y'all know. I see you always up in here. And, and, 
And so what will happen is if we're not focused on the world out there, someone will take your spot and you'll get mad about it. I thought they knew that was my spot. Don't they know? No, 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 no. See, we got to know this, that Jesus came out for the sinner, for those that are lost. And so we've got to make this church. It's not for us. It's for the world. We are the church, and we are here for the world. Otherwise, what happens is we become a social club. It's all about me, and people left to themselves make it about themselves. How can you help me? Feed me. It's all about, no, no, no. No, it's not about us. It was about you when you were lost, but you found now. So let's disciple you, and let's get us out there reaching the lost. Let's go out to the highways and the byways, and let's see Jesus move in our city, in this region, in this county, and in this nation. And let me tell you, it's not easy. You know, if we choose to live our lives generously, it means we give of ourselves. And it's not just money. See, sometimes generosity, people, this is, this is the lowest form of generosity. I think many times it's just, well, do they get a lot of money? Well, money's good, but how many know what's more valuable than money? Your time, your talent, your ideas. And so it's great. I mean, churches, let me just tell you, our church, you're a generous church. In fact, this, this week, we sent money over into Peru. You're helping thousands and thousands of people. You're feeding them. You're clothing them. You got them hygiene packs. You didn't even know. No, but it's because of your generosity, your faithfulness in giving. And so we just, we say, hey, man, let's find a missionary in Peru and let's bless them. And this week, you did that. This week, you're helping a church planner plan a church in the most unreached city in the nation. You've done that. It's because of your generosity and the finances that you give here at the church. But it's not just about the finances. It's about having a lifestyle. It's about us saying, God, I want to I live generous. I want to be generous. And then it's, yeah, money's a part of that, but it's the resource of my life. It's the power of who I am given to reach this world. So the title of today's message is this, what would you do? Turn to your neighbor and say, what would you do? Turn to your second choice. Tell them, say, what would you do? With a little bit of an attitude, because they chose you second. Now, say it again. Just show them the attitude. What would you do? That's all right. Turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. I, I want to share a little bit on the parable of the Good Samaritan. There's, I want to read the whole story, and I just want to give us a couple of things that I believe, just, just a couple of thoughts that I believe is going to stir generosity in our hearts. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Now, this is Jesus responding to a lawyer. And ultimately, the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus is going to define the neighbor for this lawyer. And look at verse 30. He says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's about a 17-mile trek. It's a pretty treacherous trek and pathway and so this man is going down that path we don't know why he's going down there but we do know for some reason he's got to get from here to there so he travels the road and it says he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and and then those robbers they departed leaving him half dead I wonder if anybody has ever felt beat up by the world anybody ever felt beat up by the enemy do you know that the devil doesn't like you He's going to try to steal, kill, and to destroy your life. And sometimes we walk through our lives and we feel probably like this guy, a little bit beat up. And I love what it says, leaving him half dead. And that's not the part I love. But look at this. It says, now by chance, a priest was going down that road. Everybody say that road. 
Which road? The road he just got beat up on. So here's the interesting thing. Can you imagine being this guy? This person's just been beat up. Like you've been stripped, you've been robbed, you're in pain, and your eyes see, there's a priest. How many think, oh, praise Jesus. Somebody's helping me. Somebody's going to come to my rescue. And isn't it interesting here in what Jesus said, that that priest did not come to his rescue. It says when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So the priest, the, the man of God, wasn't the solution. It says, so likewise, a Levite. This is someone that assisted the priest in the work of the temple. They knew God. They knew about him. And, and so here we see the man. I don't know about you, but I'm half dead. I'm like, praise God. Help. Help. Like I'm thinking, okay, the priest, somebody help me. And look at what happens. It says, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, one translation actually says he walked over to the man to look at him. He's a rubbernecker. I mean, just looking, you know, didn't want to do nothing. Oh, man, whoo, I'm glad I'm not you. <laughs> whoo, that looks tough. Didn't, didn't help. Somehow what, what happened and transpired was him just saying, no, I'm going to move on with my life. And then he goes on. He says, but a Samaritan as he journeyed. Now, a Samaritan was an outcast, someone that was not thought well of in life. And so Jesus is saying, look, this Samaritan, as he journeyed where? Down that path. Came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Everybody say compassion. Compassion. Had compassion. And look at what happens next. It says, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which is two days' worth of wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Isn't that interesting? Gave him his donkey, let him ride on it, and the oil, the wine, couple of days worth of wages. He says, which of these, and now Jesus is going to ask this question, do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man that fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And then look at what Jesus said. Go and do likewise. So here's the question. What would you do? I mean, what would you do? I mean, I know we romanticize the story and it's, you know, I, I want to be the hero, and we think, man, if I saw somebody in need, I'm going to be the answer to their problem. And so, But here we see a religious man, a priest, and the Levite, and neither one of them were the solution. And so we see that, oh, maybe, I, I'd like to think I would. I, I maybe talk about doing it, but really talking about it and doing it are two different things. And then we see here that, that man, when he's left for dead, they, these three men, they walk down the same path. I would tell you this, that God puts hurting people along our path. I wonder what would have happened if the priest would have helped this man that had been robbed and beat up. That would have left the other two guys to go down the rest of this path where other people were probably hurting, and they could have helped other people. And then together, they could have made a huge difference down the same path. But it took three. See, Jesus is so in love with reaching the lost, he ain't coming off of it. Oh, somebody may miss that opportunity. I'm going to send somebody else. They may miss that opportunity. I'm going to send somebody else. No, no, baby. He ain't stopping until we reach them. 
And sometimes we can think, well, the priest, the pastor, the leaders, no, he wants to use us, the normal people that we, you know, it's easy to say, well, I'm an outsider. Hey, listen, we're all outsiders. You may not feel good enough. We all feel that way at some time. At some point, we have to just say, man, God, I want to be your solution to this hurting world. I mean, we all have a path, right? We all have a routine. I mean, think about this. You go to work. How many of you go to work? You don't have to raise your hand. You go to work. It's a path full of people to the right and to the left, people that believe, people that don't. I mean, we all go to the grocery store. I mean, how many of you go to the gym? You don't have to raise your hand. How many think about going to the gym? But in these places where we go, and sometimes what we think is, well, I'll do it at church. It's on Sunday. No, no. Your path is Monday. Your path is Tuesday. Your path is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is just the time we all come together. So what is the the highway and the byway God has put you on? I promise you this. See, we've got to say, God, give me eyes to see and a heart to feel. God, I want to see how you think and feel about people around us. Love with Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Look at what Jesus, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Not maybe the harvest, no, no. The harvest is plentiful now. This city is ready to be reached right now. People are hurting now. He says, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so my plea to us as a church is, can we open our eyes? Could we be the solution? Could we be like this good Samaritan that says, God, I'm not going to walk past the hurting and the broken, but God, you called me. You are allowing me to be a part of this solution. And we look at the good Samaritan and you can say, hey, how come he made a difference and the others didn't? I don't know all the ins and outs, but I do know the Bible has a clue, and it's this. He was filled with compassion. That his heart was moved with Compassion. It's what it says in verse 33. And, you know, he must have realized and empathized with the pain of being beaten up, with the pain of being left for dead. And, I mean, isn't that what compassion does? Compassion's like, man, I, I don't know about you, but I've been there before. Anybody ever been broke? I've been broke to where I had 10 cents in my pocket, had to get to work, didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. My homes were in foreclosure. My cars were being repoed. My business had just shut down. And I've been in a place where I said, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. Laid hands on my car and said, God, I need some gas. Fill her up. <laughs> and let me tell you what happened, God. I miraculously made it to work. So here's, here's, here's the compassion. When I hear someone being broke, oh, baby, you ain't broke. I'm going to walk this road with you. Oh, you need some money. I got some money. Hold on. Let me give you some money. I'm going to find a way to bless you. There is empathy in my heart. Compassion fills my heart because I've been there. Think about if you've been divorced. When you've been divorced, you know the pain and the devastation. So you hear about somebody who's been through divorce and you know what happens. You empathize. Your heart fills with compassion. I know what it's like to walk through that. Maybe you lost your job. I mean, that's where compassion is like, man, I've lost my, I know what it's like because we find our identity in what we do and not who we are. But I realize this, it's not about what I do, it's who I am. And who I am produces what I do. And really what happens is we understand this, that compassion overcomes excuses. 
See, we can think I'm going to help you. Oh, it's good. No, no, but compassion, there's something deep on the inside of us, and it forces us to say, no, no, I can't sit here any longer. I can't just go and be a rubbernecker and look. I can't just go on with life as normal. I'm going to allow this to inconvenience my life. And let me tell you this. Generosity is always an inconvenience. It's going to cost you resources. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you effort. And there is something on the inside where we have to say, listen, no more excuses. Anybody say a lot of excuses? It's hot. I'm tired. I'm broke. I don't know how. And this is what I would say. God raised up a church that refused to make excuses. That God, we're not going to say it's impossible. We're going to say, I can. How do you want me to do it? God, if this is the path you put me on and the people you call me to reach, then the reality is this. God, how do you want me to do it? No excuses. Just saying, I, I can. It's too hard. And I know this, that God uses the pain of our past to bring hope to people's future. God, let me be the answer. God, let me be the answer. And, and really what we know is that a full heart produces open hands. I mean, really, because his heart, full of compassion, full of love, this last weekend yesterday, I don't know if y'all saw my Facebook or Instagram, and we did the, the, the mud run yesterday. Come on, somebody. We had about 50. Did y'all see that? Crazy. We paid to go play in mud. Did a 5K, and man, it was awesome. We had the fellowship, which is the group that I mentor in TCLA, our leadership academy, and some of the pastors and staff, and had a great time. We're all sore. We're all kind of limping, and today's good. And we went to go eat at CC's, about the only place 50 people can go and eat. I don't know if you call it food, but it's edible. <laughs> it's hurting all day today. I'm like, oh, good Lord. So we walk in and pay for my kids, and there's a whole bunch of us, and I, my kids are running around, and over at CC's, they got all the video games. How many parents know when there's video games, it's going to cost you? I happen to have a few dollars in my pocket, and Phyllis hits me up. She's like, baby, give them some money. Like, let them go do something. And I said, all right, here's $15. And I mean, with four kids, $15 don't go very far. And so I handed it to them and said, hey, go play some video games. And then they all come back. It's like, man, back then, you knew how to ration. You're like, hold up, we're going we to go slow. No, now it's instant consume all the It's like, man, they come back. They're like, dad, we want more. Dad, we want more. And never like, hey, thanks, dad. We'll eat some pizza. I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to eat some pizza. They're like, no, Dad, we'll play some games. So I pull out. I had a wad of ones, and I'm like, all right, this is the last. No more after this. And I hand each of them some ones. You know, I'm a, I'm a high roller right here. And so I hand them some ones, and they go play. And Ethan and JB were sitting with me. It was so funny. Then Addison, my middle daughter, comes up, and she comes right to us. She didn't go on Mama's side. <laughs> she came to Daddy's side. <laughs> And she said, Daddy, I'm out of money. I said, well, baby. She said, oh, Daddy, please. There's some candy over there. And, man, you know, I, I know. I'm like, oh, and I'm just putting my, you know, my mind started to think about the last couple of weeks. She said, Dad, I'll massage you anytime. She's back there massaging my back, and she's just doing. And then, and then you know she loves you, Pastor Ronnie, when she said, and, Dad, I'll even do your feet. I'm like, that's some love. And so all of this is happening, and I'm just feeling boom. And before I knew it, that girl had all the money that I had left in my pocket. Full heart produce open hands. So this is what I would say with the church. Could we say, God, fill us with your heart. 
God, fill us with your love. See, I think stinginess comes because we're not full of God's love. So I don't have to try to make you generous. I just got to make you full of God's love. Like, God, let us feel your love. God, let us feel your compassion. Because then this is what happens. When we feel the love of God and the compassion of God, then anything I've got can be released. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about reaching those that are lost. So God, would you raise us up to be a church that's generous? And listen, generosity is not about how much you have, but about what you do with what you have. And this is what I love about the story. It didn't say the Good Samaritan was rich. Salima didn't say he was rich. I mean, by all accounts, this was just an average person that was in the right place at the right time and had just enough to help those that were in need. And it says that he went over there and he bandaged his wounds. He gave him oil and wine, which you would have traveled with a little bit of that down the road because that's what you need to get down the road. And then I love this. It says he put him on his donkey. You know what that means? That means he's probably walking behind. He's tired. He's exhausted. But the one that's wounded is, is using his resources to get where he needs to be to get better. And then this is what I love about it. Check it out. He drops him off at the innkeeper. He didn't give him a million dollars. He just gave him two days worth of wages. And I'm convinced sometimes we say we can't be generous because we don't have enough. I would tell you this. Generosity is just giving what we had to help those in need. And as a church, this has got to be the key. We're not looking for all the rich, like, let's get rich people. Let's, we're going to change the world. Thank God that's awesome. We've got, you know, it's praise God. But it's about the entire church, rich poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, every single one of us, young, middle-aged, old, all of us saying, God, we're going to give what we have to reach this city. You put us in so that they know that you are alive and well. So here's the, so here's the question. What would happen if our church lived a life of generosity? You say, every person, I'm going to live generously. I'm going to give what I have to reach the world around me. God, I, I know that I, I like some of the comforts that I have, but God, I just I ask you to fill me up with your love because this is what I tell you. We don't take anything with us to heaven but people. That's it. And I'm not saying don't save money. There's, there's wisdom. In, but I'm saying this. If God asked for what you have, would you give it? Well, what's he going to ask for? I don't know, man. I'm not God. I'm just trying to deal with my stuff. Like, I'm just trying to be generous with what he's given to me. You're going to have to wrestle with that. I just know this, that God loves us so much he would challenge us to not live with the status quo, to say, God, I'm going to be generous in my life. I'm going to give my time, my talent, my treasure, that when we get into heaven and we see him face to face, he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, isn't that the call of life? That's all we want to hear. He's not going to ask us how big the building was we built or, you know, how grand everything was. And those things would be nice. We're going to have a great building, great. But we must be willing to say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. God, whatever you need, it's all, how, I'm going to walk my path. And this is what I tell you, we're going to reach this city when each of us recognize the people he's put on our path. I can't go to your world. I can't go to your job. I'm not going to the place where you work out or don't work out. I'm not going to the schools you go to or not. But I can inspire us to say, God, open my eyes, fill my heart, and release my hands. God, I'm going to give. I'm going to give. And really, this it's all about Jesus.
It's all about making him famous. Why? Because the world doesn't operate like that. There's no other religion that gives like Christianity. Why? Because God's at the center. That's his heart. That's his DNA. It's who he is. And I release us to be as he is. Generous. I wonder if we could just stand up this morning. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my you're doing this morning. God, I thank you for awakening in our hearts the spirit of generosity. It's who you are. Lord, that we would be a church that releases what's in our hands to touch your world. God, that people would see you inside of us. Lord, if anything's got us, God, help us to break that off of our lives. God, we hold things. Things don't hold us. We'll give it all away. It's all yours anyway. God, I'm asking you for us to give of our time, Lord, to serve and to reach out. God, I'm asking for ideas, Lord, that people would say, man, I got ideas. Man, that's a currency of life. God, that we be generous, Lord. We don't have to take credit. We just say, I'm going to give. Why? Because I want to reach the world. Anything, resources, time, ideas, talent. God, it's all yours. It's all yours. Can you just tell him I surrender it all to you? Tell him. Say, use me to reach the people on my path. See, I just heard somebody say, well, I had not seen nobody. This is what I'm going to ask God to do. I'm going to ask God to open your eyes. Because what happens is we get blinded. It's really selfishness blinds us. I'm, I'm the same. Listen, when we launch this church, yeah, I have to fight this. Even in preparing this message, it's like, God, help me have a fire to reach this city. We can become complacent. Like, man, we're doing pretty good. No, no, no. It ain't about doing good. It's are there more people that God wants us to reach? I believe there's city, a county, a nation full of people that God's saying, hey, who will be my church? not being complacent. Jeremiah said that your word is in my heart like a fire that shut up in my bones. That even if I tried not to talk about it, I have to. It's like, I can't hold it in. Let that fire be inside of us. When you go to Gringo's and you get you some holy guacamole, and it is holy, man. There's something about it. That you get those cards and you pass it out. You're like, well, I'm just, is that advertising? No, it's an opportunity to reach people. 
I found this, man. They don't want to talk about God, but this is what I've seen. Man, I've had so many waiters come down, and man, I've had the Olive Garden waiter. Who's the one over at Gringo's that comes? Huh? Darwin. Man, they, they'll come out, and this is what I know. They say, well, I don't go to church. All right, babe, just hold this card because when you need God, there's a place for you here. And that's what happens, God. It's like you think people look good. There was a girl, we passed it out, and man, I just, and I remember just thinking, she looks perfect. She looks like she got it all together. But how many have ever been that person that looked perfect and you're broken on the inside? That's the generosity I'm talking about. Go into Kroger's this week. Maybe just say, hey, God, you want me to pay for somebody's groceries? You're like, well, I don't have a lot. No, no, just use what you got. See, you think your job is your source. But I wonder if there wouldn't be breakthrough in your life if you would just release it and say, God, I, I don't know how you're going to do it for me. But you know what? I'm going to give. And I wonder if God wouldn't bless your socks off. And then you just start to say, I don't know about this, but God, I, well, that's the conduit of heaven that we're called to be. I'm telling you, somebody, that's for you. God, what do you want me to do? All right, sir, sir, sir. That's living generously. Not just about how much you put in the offering plate. Live generously. Father, let us be a church, generous, generous, generous people. God, awaken. Lord, I just sense that. Open eyes. Where we've been calloused and selfish, I repent, God. I can get complacent and feel like we're doing good. God, let me never be okay with where we're at. There are always more people we can reach. Open my eyes. Fill my heart. And Lord, release my hands. We thank you for this. Now listen, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There's someone here today. You don't have a relationship with God. In fact, if you were to step into eternity right now, you have no idea where you would spend it. I want you to know that today can be your day of salvation. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Doesn't matter where you came from. Doesn't matter how good or bad you think you've been. Right now, in this moment, you need to know that Jesus loves you. He died and rose again so that you might have life. That's what salvation is. And that salvation is what gives us access to God, to have that relationship with God. And I love it. It's not based on works, lest no man should boast. But it's all about Him, and it's all about His grace and the faith to believe that He did the work. Say, well, what do you do? We just go pray a prayer. Believe this. Someone right now, salvation's about to take place. Just pray a prayer. Heads bowed, eyes closed. That's you right now. Slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, that's me. Slip it up high right now. You say, I want to have that relationship. Today is my day. Raise it up. Raise it up. Come on, you got to be bold. Come on, church. Show them some love. Man, I'm so proud of you guys. Today's your day. So what are we going to do? Let's just pray. Pray with me. I can't pray it for you, but I can pray it with you. can't believe it for you, but I can believe it with you. Say, Jesus, I need you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me right now to experience your power. Set me free. I receive your grace. Receive your power. Let me never be the same. Connect my heart to yours right now. Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Come on, celebrate God.